All right. Got my man back there. Michael keeps me straight back there. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2 is where we'll uh, begin this evening. I've really enjoyed these lessons on the cross, and tonight will be the conclusion of that series. And tonight we'll probably talk about some things that we've talked about before, but isn't it good to remember the things that the Word of God tells us? Isn't it a good thing to keep those things fresh in our mind because that is what pushes us on. That is what allows us to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord when we know that what he says he means and what he says he tells us for our benefit so we can have hope that we can be uh, living a life that has purpose and you know, I just appreciate so much the teenagers being up here and their participation in this Fountainhead Kids with the young ones. It just makes me feel so good. I mean, here they were flipping their Bibles and knowing these chapters, and it's just a great thing. And I'm just so uh, thankful to the elders for allowing me to be able to do it. And I appreciate uh, Derek allowing me to take his kids from him for just a little bit. Um, I want us to think about this. You know, when we think about all the lives that have been lost on this earth, all of the stories about heroic deaths, uh, ways that people had died, things that uh, happened to them. When we think about Jesus and the way he died, it was not something that people probably thought a lot about, would you say? The thought of absolute failure and defeat probably comes to mind. You think about the person who was on the cross, what it was for. (laughs) To be hanged on a tree was complete embarrassment. Here you were, hanging on a tree with barely any clothes on in front of everybody. How embarrassing would that be? But to be out there and for sure your name was about to be blotted from humanity, right? Nobody cared about you just enough to say, I don't want to be like that guy. No one remembered a guy on a cross. But the beauty of Jesus was that was a little bit different. Amen? You know, Jesus was our curse. He became the curse. And he became the symbol of eternal triumph. The death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, brethren, I know that you'll say amen to this, is the greatest accomplishment that has ever happened in the world. Ever. The greatest accomplishment that has ever happened in the world. And its influence is as far reaching as heaven, as paradise, as torment, as here on this earth. Am I right about it? What an awesome, awesome story. What a great thing to remember and never forget. At the climax of man's sin, at the climax of man's failure, What we see 
is humanity's greatest triumph. The victory of Jesus over his cross. So the question for tonight is, what has this victory triumphed over? And I want to start in Colossians chapter 2, and I want to look at verses 13 through 15 to kind of get things kicked off. Look at what the Bible says. It says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The first thing to consider this evening is, What has this victory triumphed over? It's triumphed over the law. That's a big deal. Hebrews class, I know uh, I've been uh, barking on this tree for a long time. And I know even in Silver Threads, we've been talking quite a bit at length about the law and the purpose for the law. But look at what this verse says in verse 14. It says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Well, what were those things that were against us? If you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to look at verses 13 through 16. What were those requirements that were nailed to the cross? Look at verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man, from that thus making peace." And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. The law was a problem because nobody could keep it. But think about this. Whatever was nailed to Jesus' cross was identified with him in his death. Amen? Now, that's, you may not think that that's a big deal, but brethren, there is people in the religious world today that believe that you still follow the law or you intermingle it or you mix some. Brethren, what we know from the word of God is that it was nailed to the cross, done away with. So whatever is nailed to his cross is identified with him in his death by nailing the law, and we're gonna talk about sin in just a minute, but by nailing the law and sin to the cross, Jesus clears a path for us to be reconciled to God. Now, that's an amazing thing. That is something that should drive us. That is something that should motivate us, and it should continue to motivate us. We have the ability to be found right in God Almighty's eyes. You know, Matt, you say that. Yeah, I say it all the time because I'm still confused about it. (laughs) 
I still can't believe that I could actually say that with boldness. That I could actually say that with confidence and not have to duck my head in shame. No, I can stand proud and say, you know what? I am a child of God. And I remember, behold what manner of love that God has bestowed upon us that we should be called his children. Amen? Amen. So think about this. You can't get to heaven by doing the works of the law. Am I right? Romans chapter 3 verse 20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law had a purpose. The law had a reason for being around. It was to let us know what sin was. It was to let those uh, Israelites, those Hebrews know what sin was. And we know about it, don't we? You think about the Ten Commandments. You think about what they say to us and the way that to obey your parents, to uh, not put any uh, idols above God, to do all of those things, keeping the Sabbath, all of the commandments that were on uh, those tablets, let us know what sin was when we didn't do them, when we didn't follow them. It was the rule, and what we knew is when we didn't do it, there was a punishment for not doing it, right? But how do we get to heaven? How do we make a right relationship with God? Well, we do it through Jesus Christ, don't we? Think about what Galatians chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 say. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is what? It's evident. For the just shall live by faith. There's a new way to live. Jesus dying on the cross changed some things in the realm of God's people. Because what happened is no longer do I follow these uh, rules of Moses. Now I follow this concept of living by faith. You rem remember he says, yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Remember, if you're going to go into the law and you're going to keep the law nowadays, you have to keep it perfect. Because there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin in the law. What a dangerous place to live. I mean, I'd fail quick, wouldn't you? But as I live by faith, what do I understand? And we've talked about this at length in this series on the cross. The blood of Jesus is an amazing thing. It continually cleanses. It cleansed one time for all, back and forward, and it will continue to cleanse forever. How do I get to God? Well, I do it by faith. You remember what Jesus says? He makes a declaration. He steps above anybody else and he says, I'm the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't be able to tell you that you could go through me to do anything. <laughs> I mean, I say, man, I maybe could give you some good advice, but I, I mean, cars, I'm out. Uh, math, I'm out. I mean, there's going to be a lot of things that I'm out on. But like I told Timothy, dribbling with my left hand, now I can do that. 
I was taught how to dribble with my left hand. It was beat into me, not whipped, but it was drilled into me. Let me say it better that way. But Jesus makes a declaration. He makes this bold statement that he is the only way to heaven. What does he do? He triumphs over the law. He puts the law in its place and he says, it's time to move on. And it comes by way of living by faith, trusting in me. Now think about this. What else can we learn from triumph, this victory that Jesus had over the cross? That he triumphed over sin and death. And we've talked about this. But I want to start off by thinking about this. In the law of Moses, the high priest would have to enter the most holy place once a year to make atonement for the sins of Israel. But not Jesus. He enters one time into the presence of God with his blood, and it completely wipes out the whole system, as we just talked about. Now, that's pretty powerful. And look at what Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 says about that. He says, he then would have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once, at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Matt, why are you doing this? We know all this. Why are you talking about these things that we understand? Just hang with me, will you? Just hang with me for a few minutes. Just bear with me. I know we've got some scholars in the audience that know these things, and I know them too. But I want you to just hang with me because I want us to focus in on these concepts, which will bring a true blessing for you at the end, if you'll just bear with me. Think about this, and I said it just a few minutes earlier, that the law and sin, it was nailed to the cross, meaning that they were put away as dead things. He died for our sins that we might daily triumph over sin's power. Amen? Think about the power of sin. Think about the way that it sucks you in. Think about the things that happen when you're dealing with sin and this, this temptation and this desire to do the wrong thing. Jesus made a way for you to beat it. He made a way for you to beat it every single moment if you want to. Think about what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. And I quote this one a lot too. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why did he do that, Paul? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. When I think about God and I think about the things that God did for us, I just so often don't have a good appreciation, I don't guess, for what he did. And the reason why I say that is because of the things that I do on a daily basis. Sometimes I don't pray like I need to. Sometimes I get distracted and I have a bad attitude, right? How about you? Sometimes the world just closes in on me and I just feel like screaming. Come on, Lord. But look at what this said. 
Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus did an incredible thing. Sin earns death. And death means separation from God. But through the cross of Jesus, (laughs) death has lost its power. It's gone. Do you realize, and I appreciate Brother Ray when he talks about his wife, the emotion that comes with that? Think about that for a minute. He's separated from her. He doesn't get to see her right now, right? And I'm sure he longs for her sometimes. And I'm sure he gets emotional sometimes. Think about God being separated from us. think it bothers him? You think it makes him sad when we choose to do things that we're not supposed to do? When we choose to have attitudes that are not pleasing to him? When we say things to our brothers and sisters in Christ that are absolutely disrespectful and shouldn't even have come out of our mouths? Our co-workers at work who have no understanding of the truth and the way that we treat them is just like somebody who doesn't know Jesus. I'm stuck on this verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Study this one out. Look at what he says in verse 10. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. Well, how did he do it? He did it through the gospel. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Jesus was on a mission that nobody was going to stop him. Nobody was going to stop him. He wanted to complete this mission because he wanted to do it for us. He wanted to be pleasing to the Father. And he knew by doing that, it would give us a chance to maybe live the same way if we want to. To put out all those worldly desires, to put out all those fleshly sins that we uh, get entangled with from time to time and focus on him and his mission. Think about what this says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You remember when he's talking at the end about what's going to happen to us. Brethren, be encouraged by this. Be ready for this because one day this is going to happen. The corruptible has put on incorruption. And this mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass, saying, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
I talked about this last uh, on Wednesday night in Romans chapter 5. It talked about the law made the sin abound more. What did the law do? It brought it up to a point where you saw it and you're, it's fully exposed in front of you and you say, this is what it is to not do. But while that sin abounded more, something else happened. Grace abounded even more. Well, what is that grace? Y'all remember how to spell it, don't you? J-E-S-U-S, exclamation point. See, I can do spelling. I know how to spell stuff, and it's all capitals too. With a smiley face emoji, maybe. J-E-S-U-S. Grace abounds much more. It abolishes the law. And now we have something that all these prophets, all these ones back here long to see. They wanted to see what was going to happen. The, the angels longed to see what, how this was going to take place. And here we are so blessed, we have it. And we see it. And we know it. And we can read about it. What are we doing with it? Is it just a great book that we like? Is it just an encouraging words that we can feel good about as we leave and go out into the world? Or is it something that really changes us, that really moves us, that really makes us want to be better than we were yesterday, that really puts into subjection the things that you think and the way that you act? Death was swallowed up in the victory of his cross. Man, what a great feeling. I'm on the winning team. Don't you like being on the winning team? Man, I've been on some teams and we have gotten whipped. I mean, I remember my junior year, we was two and eight. It's terrible to go to practice. I mean, I didn't even, all of a sudden I'm sick. All of a sudden my leg hurts. There's all kind of people in the training room. I need to get taped up, coach. I don't even know if I can go. But what happens when you're on the winning team? Oh, yeah, everybody wants to be a part of it. Brethren, we're on the winning team. Don't you want to be a part of it? Huh? We're on the winning team because the Bible says so. Man, that encourages me. That makes me want to live better. That makes me want to say things better. The last thing to consider What has this victory over the cross triumphed over? It's triumphed over Satan and his works. We are told that the Son of God appeared or came for the purpose of undoing the works of Satan. Am I right about it? 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. The Son of God came to this earth and manifested himself in flesh that he might destroy the works of the devil. What we see in the cross is the undoing of what that old age lie that Satan said way back in the day come to be done with. You remember what he told Eve? 
You will not surely die. Are you kidding me? That's what he told you. He told you that you was going to die. Think about what Jesus did. Jesus suffered. Jesus went all the way. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5 real quick. Romans chapter 5. Verse 6. It says, for when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, enemies, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And verse 11 says, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Brethren, this week, if you don't get anything out of the lesson, here it is. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This week, live your life rejoicing. This week, live your life as somebody who appreciates what Jesus Christ did for you. And watch how things turn out. Keep Jesus at the forefront of your mind. Keep Jesus at the first thought of every time you want to do something that you're not supposed to do. Jesus has put away the power of sin in his death. And therefore the works of the devil become weak. You want to know how they become weak? When we as Christians say this, I'm going to glory in the cross. I'm going to glory in what Jesus did for me. I'm going to keep it in my mind. You know, I'm just so impressed and I long for the day that I could talk to some of these apostles who did these things that were just incredible. And why did they do it? Because they loved the Messiah. I want to talk to Jesus and say, I appreciate what you did for me. And I want to worship you. And I want to give you all the glory. But I can't do that right now, can I? Oh, yeah, I can, can I? I can do it by the things I say. I can do it by the things that I do. I can look for the opportunities to just be nice to somebody. To not wish the worst on my enemy. To look for opportunities to not have any enemies, right? The powerful weapon that we have, brethren... Is Jesus Christ. And Satan, with all the works that he can figure up and try to put in front of you, he can't even stand against that. It's just too powerful. I want us to look at one more uh, area of Scripture. John chapter 12, if you would with me for just a second. John chapter 12, verses 27 through 33. 
Look at what Jesus says. He says, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it was that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. 32 is the key. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. You remember what Paul says? But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, where's your boasting? Is your boasting in the cross? Is your boasting in the things that you're thankful for, for what he's done for you? By whom the world has been crucified to me. I'm no longer going to live like the world, but I'm going to live like him. I want to sing one verse of a song. Victory in Jesus. What number was that? 643. Turn there in your books. I want us to sing it together as we get ready to go up out of here. And I want you to have that on your mind. As we leave, brethren, I love you guys so much. I am so proud to be a part of this family right here. Keep serving. Keep pushing. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. And God will get all the glory. Victory in Jesus. Will you start it? Oh, those stories. How the Savior came from. Maybe you're here today and you need prayers. Maybe you're here today and you need uh, something. If you need prayers, you can come and we'll 
pray with you. We'll do whatever we need to. But if you're here today and you're not a Christian, today is the day you can receive victory. Don't wait. Don't miss it. Tonight is the night. You have the opportunity to be added to the family of God. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you need to be saved, come right now, please, as we stand and sing.